One of the challenges in life is to be faithful. And today I want to encourage you in part two of our message of how to stay faithful through your finish line. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, thank you for uh, our worship today, the privilege and opportunity that we have to worship, not for our sake, but for your sake, to be the beaconing light that you have called us to be so that in the midst of it all, you would get the glory and you would get the honor. Now bless us as your word goes forth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know about you, but I have been so inundated by this presidential election and other down-ballot races. Uh, I, I just got frustrated. Let me just be honest with you. I, I mean, I just got sick and tired of, of the negative ads. I can't remember a time when there was so much hostility, not, not in one race, but I'm talking about what appeared to be every race. I mean, it, it was so crazy because you would literally sit there and you could be watching the evening news and you would see an attack ad come out against one person and then you would see right after that ad an attack ad from that person against the other person or you would see an attack ad followed by a good ad about the same person. I mean, it, it just became absolutely crazy. But here's one of the things that I did notice. I noticed that people who were in these races took these races very seriously. I mean, millions of dollars were spent on these positions. And some of those dollars that were spent were wasted dollars because uh, some of those people while they convinced themselves they had a chance and other people convinced them they had a chance, they obviously didn't have a chance. But what struck me was the movement of President Trump and Vice President Joe Biden as they came to the final days leading up to Election Day. They were crisscrossing the country. They were moving in a way that uh, would, would tire a younger Man, because here they were uh, running for what is arguably the most powerful political position in the world. And they didn't want to leave anything to chance. Now, I would dare say most people, by the time you got to election day or even the Sunday before election day, had pretty much made up their minds what they were going to do. I know I had. But man, that did not stop them from holding rallies. That did not stop them from sending out robocalls. That did not stop them from holding events. That did not stop them from raising money. I mean, up until the very end, they pushed their message. And one of the lessons that I learned from that is you don't quit you don't stop, you keep on pushing through your finish line. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, what does that have to do with me? My brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. It is so easy in the environment that we're in to give up. I mean, it is so easy to just throw in the towel. It's so easy to say, you know what, enough of this. I mean, between COVID-19 and 
This past week, we saw a record number of one-day infections in our country since COVID-19 hit us back in January. 100,000 people plus were infected with the disease. We're still seeing people die, young people, old people, college students, senior citizens. We're still seeing the ravaging effects of COVID-19 on our economy. Add to that the general depression that all of us are feeling, not just because of COVID-19, because of the economy. We're going into the holiday season. There are people who are going into the holiday season now without family members, friends, and loved ones, and you're not able to fellowship like you used to fellowship. I mean, it's just so much going on. And you might just feel like throwing in the towel and saying, you know what, enough is enough. But I want to encourage you to continue to do it God's way. Last week, we started a message entitled, How to Stay Faithful Through Your Finish Line. And so today I want to conclude that message with part two of that message, how to stay faithful through your finish line. We're looking at 2 Samuel chapter 6. And 2 Samuel chapter 6 chronicles the move of King David as he moves the ark of God from Abinadab's house through Obed-Edom's house on his way to the city of David. He wants to rekindle the pride in the people of Israel and reestablish the city of David as the center of worship of God's people. And so he goes, you remember the story, he goes to Abinadab's house and he wants to move the ark of God to the city of David. He goes based on his intentions, good intentions, but he fails to follow God's instructions. And the Bible says, Abinadab's son, Uzzah, reaches out, touches the ark as it wobbles on the cart that is being pulled by the oxen. And the Bible says Uzzah, after touching the ark, died because while Uzzah's intentions were good, his disobedience cost him. The Bible says that David leaves the ark of God at Obed-Edom's house for 90 days. 90 days, Obed-Edom's house is blessed. Obed-Edom is blessed. Everything he touches is blessed. And now David makes his way back to Obed-Edom's house, but this time he is armed not with intentions, but he's armed with God's instructions. And instead of putting the ark on the new cart, imitating the behavior of the Israelites, He puts the poles in the rings on each side of the ark, and he begins to carry the ark back to the city of David. After six steps, sensing and seeing the blessings of God upon the movement of the ark, according to how the word of God wanted the ark to be moved, the Bible says he stopped and offered a sacrifice. Now here he comes. He is rejoicing. He is praising. He is dancing. And he is on his way into the city of David. Last week, I shared with you uh, one really clear point and gave you some sub points to focus on. Uh, In order to stay faithful through your finish line, I shared with you last week, you must make worshiping God your priority. You must make worshiping God 
your priority. See, when you make worshiping God your priority, you keep your eyes on God. And we know from the scriptures that whenever you take your eyes off of God, whether you put your eyes on the enemy or you put your eyes on circumstances and situations going on around you, you will always fail. Fear showed up and ravaged the nation of Israel, the entire army, when Goliath walked out in the middle of the field because people put their eyes on Goliath instead of putting their eyes and keeping their eyes on God. Peter walked out on the water to Jesus, but when he looked at the wind and the waves, he took his eyes off of Jesus, looked at what was going on around him, and the Bible says he began to sink. Worshiping God and making worship your priority keeps your eyes on the Lord, keeps your focus on the Lord. And I shared with you three things out of that thought. A, you must make worshiping God your priority by worshiping him personally. You've got to worship God personally, individually. Don't worry about everybody else. You can't keep track of everybody else, and you certainly can't inspire everybody else to do what you're not doing. You must worship God personally. B, you must worship God passionately. The Bible says David was leaping and dancing. He was praising God passionately. He was singing like nobody was listening. He was dancing like nobody was watching. He was going to give God the praise because he knew how far God had brought him. See, you must worship God purposely. There must be purpose in your worship. David was returning the ark of God and he placed it in the tent that had already been prepared. To hold the tent or hold the ark of God. Listen, you've got to be purposeful in your worship of God, right? Let's go to part two, how to stay faithful through your finish line. First thing this week, you stay faithful by worshiping God wherever you are. You stay faithful by worshiping God wherever you are. Now, I got to put a cord in the meter and park here because I need to encourage somebody. Uh, in, in the midst of this emphasis on the digital platform, uh, there are those of you who are watching who are about zoomed out. Uh, you are YouTubed out. You, you, you are, are Facebook exhausted, right? Because, listen, man, you have been on more social media since March than you have ever been in your life, especially those of you who are digital migrants. And by digital migrants, I mean you didn't grow up with a computer in your hand. It's something that you have had to grab hold of and you've had to adapt to. And there are those of you, come on, give me a thumbs up, give me, give me a love, give me something in the chat room. There are those of you, you know this has been a struggle for you because you might have been one of those folk that talked about people who spend so much time online. Now you've got to be online for school, you've got to be online for your job, you've got to be online to help your family members on school. I mean, you, you, you online, now you've got to worship online. I mean, come on, it's absolutely crazy, right? But here's what David teaches us. And he teaches this in practice 
but I want you to see how the principle plays out. David teaches us that you have to learn how to worship wherever you are. We talked about David giving some on-the-way praise, right? When he was on his way, the Bible says he stopped and offered a sacrifice to the Lord. Somebody needs to hear me today because you need to learn how to give some while you're going through it praise. You need to learn how to give God some in the midst of it praise, right? Because, listen, whenever we're going through something, how easy is it? Think about this for a moment. How easy is it to take your eyes off of God and to put your eyes on the situation or the circumstance, to put your eyes on the people who are bothering you, and to take your eyes off of God, I promise you, it is one of the most uh, demonic, subtlest tricks of the devil to get your eyes off of the Lord, even if it's just slight, right? He won't snatch your head. He just moves it ever so slightly, just little by little, until you are out of alignment with focusing on God. Listen to what the text says, 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning at verse 16. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. Now remember, this is not the first sacrifice that David has offered, right? When they took six steps carrying the ark of God out of Obed-Edom's home, when they took six steps on their way to the city of David, David stopped and offered a sacrifice to the Lord. Now when he gets to the city of David, he gives some not on the way praise, but we have sure enough made it praise. He gives God some, we have arrived worship. And the Bible teaches us that for David, worship was a priority. You know, I always ask myself, when the Bible declares that David was a man after God's own heart, how did David get that kind of designation from God when we know David was not perfect. See, there are those of us who would look at David and we could quickly point out David's sins, David's shortcomings, whether they are emotional, physical, or spiritual. We can point out where David fell short of the mark. And there are some who use the shortcomings of David to justify their own sinful proclivities. I ask myself, God, why would you say this man, why would you say this man was a man after your own heart? And you know what I believe the Holy Spirit said to me? David was a man after God's own heart because David was a worshiper. Even in his mistakes, even in his failures, David went and cried out to God. David teaches us the priority of worship, watch this, so that worship 
is not an event. Worship is a lifestyle. Somebody ought to get it today. You ought to get it. You ought to get it. Worship. God wants you to understand worship is a lifestyle. It's not an event. And for some of you who are watching right now, that may have been the biggest challenge for you over the last seven months or so since we went into this proverbial lockdown in this country and around the world. I, I can't go to church. I want to go to church. I, I, when are we going to go back to church? And, and David teaches us, and Jesus teaches us, that worship is not an event. It's a lifestyle, and it's not limited to a particular place. Boy, I want to set somebody free today. Because somebody you're watching right now, and you may have felt like over the past several months, you know what, I just can't get my praise on. I just can't do it like I want to do it. I got news for you. It should have nothing to do with the place. It has everything to do with the person of God. And if you can't get your praise on where you are right now, then guess what? There's nothing wrong with God and there's nothing wrong with the place. There's something wrong with you. You don't have to say amen. I know I'm right about it. Because David teaches us that our God is too big to be limited to a specific place and a specific time. That worship is to be our lifestyle. You need to worship wherever you are. And watch this. That wherever is not only speaking to a geographical location. You need to worship wherever you are physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, up or down, to the left or to the right, in good times, in bad times. God says, I am worthy of and I call for your worship. David worshiped in the midst of everything that was going on, even in his repentance, he worshiped. Matter of fact, Jesus changes the rules of worship for us. He, he literally changes the rules for worship for us. Look, look at John chapter 4, beginning at verse 21, because one of the things that I have been uh, researching and, and reading and doing some writing on is this idea of an online ecclesiology. Please don't, don't tune me out. Don't tune me out. I, I'm not saying that this is the best way to worship God. What I am saying, though, is it is a legitimate way to worship God. Don't, don't discount what's happening on the digital platform because it is not your preference. Because the truth of the matter is, I believe Jesus would bless what's happening right now, even on the digital platform. Listen to the words of the Lord, the ESV translation. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming. And is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit 
and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Listen to what Jesus says. Now, now I, 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 need, I need to stop here because I'm sensing this in my spirit. See, don't make your preference equal to Jesus' proclamation. You may not be comfortable with it, but guess what? The kingdom of God was never intended, the commands of God were never intended for your comfort. They were intended to help you conform, to become more like Jesus. So the fact that you may not be comfortable just may mean you are at a place where you are growing and becoming what the Lord wants you to become. Look at A, Jesus changes where we can worship. He changes where we can worship. He says to this woman, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation it comes from the Jews. Before Christ, people were limited and relegated to worshiping at special times in special places like temples, like before certain altars. That's where they had to go to worship. Jesus says, no, no, no. Rules have changed. The rules of worship have changed. You are no longer limited to a particular mountain or limited to a particular place or limited to a particular time. Since, since Christ has changed place and locality, the question is not where should we worship. The better question is, is there any place we can't worship? Not where should we be to worship. Is there any place you can't worship? Now listen, you may be thinking in your mind. Listen, you may be thinking in your mind. That's not my preference. And I understand you may have a preference. But your preference is never to be equated to a command from God. You may prefer to dress up when you go to church on a Sunday morning. That may have been how you've been raised. That's your preference. But there's no biblical command that you have to wear fancy clothes or formal attire when you come to church. I'm not saying your preference is wrong. I'm just saying don't castigate somebody who comes in the best that they have and they don't have as good as you have. Jesus says you can worship anywhere. It's new rules. But watch B. Jesus defines how we are to worship. He defines how we are to worship. He says the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Verse 24. More than rituals and routines, Jesus says, 
People are to worship in spirit and in truth. Can I tell you the mistake that we make many times? We focus on form and we miss function. Here's what I mean. We get so caught up in forms that when the form changes, we lose sight of the function because we equate the form with the function. Let me see if I can make it plain. Uh, my great-grandmother, Grandma Sadie, lived in Lincoln, Alabama, and I was privileged to know her, be cognizant of her and my great-grandfather, and have memories of going to visit them. And my, my great-grandmother would, would make the best biscuits. They would call them cathead biscuits, right, big biscuits, and, and put that fresh butter on there. And, and to this day, Man, I, I love bread. I, I, I shouldn't eat it like I do, but, man, I love bread, and I love fresh-baked bread. And she cooked on a wood-burning stove. Like, go chop wood, bring wood in, light the wood, light the stove, and that's what she cooked on. Fried chicken on that stove. Uh, cook bacon and eggs on that stove. When it was time to move from a wood-burning stove to a gas stove, I'm sure there were people who said, man, I don't, I don't care what you do on that gas stove. You can't get that same cooking that you got on that wood-burning stove. But guess what? The stove was a form. The function is cooking food. So whether it's a wood-burning stove, a gas stove, an electric stove, a propane stove, indoor, outdoor, charcoal, whatever it is, guess what? All of those are forms that speak to and help accomplish a specific function. The function is worship. How do we facilitate worship? How do we worship God wherever we are? Because the Lord is not looking for a specific order of service. Come on, somebody help me now. There is no order of service that's laid out in the Bible. There's no, okay, we start open and then we go Old Testament, New Testament, or, or no, we should read uh, the epistles, we should read the gospels, and, and then we should read from the Old Testament literature, or no, we should read from the... No, there's no order of service. There's no correct or wrong order of service. It's just not there in the Bible. But what we do get is the function to worship him in spirit and in truth, to worship him in spirit speaks to intensity, intensity. That, that, that worship, it, it should not be perfunctory. It should not be uh, something that we just go through the motions with. No, it should be in intensity. David modeled for us intense worship. But it should also be not just in spirit, but in truth, in truth referring to integrity, right? My worship should never be an act or rooted in my imitation of others, it should be rooted in my knowledge of who God is personally. Like I know the Lord for myself. And watch this. The more you know him, 
the more integrity your worship will have. You may have a cursory knowledge of God, and so your worship will have a limited integrity because it just hasn't been tested and tried. You can't, you can't say it like grandmama and them could say it. You, you can't say it like the old folk would say it. You haven't lived long enough. You haven't seen enough yet. And I'm not saying what you have seen is not valid. I'm just say, saying you haven't seen all you're going to see. But if you keep living and you live long enough, you'll see more and the integrity of your worship will be strengthened. Let me give you the last reason and I'm going to have to let you go. See, Jesus informs us of the reason for worship. And I got to tell you something, this reason for worship, man, I wish I had time to deal with it, but this reason for worship is not the reason that we typically think of worship. Listen to what the Lord says. But the hour is coming, verse 23, and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. We are to worship in obedience to God, to please God, to fulfill what God is looking for. Now, can I tell you what most of us do? We have become so egocentric in our expression of the gospel and within the ecclesia that we make worship about us. Let, let me see if I can knock on your door. I ain't feel nothing today. Woo, quiet. They, they ain't do no singing today. I don't know what got into them. Devil must have been in that rehearsal. Because we come in and sit as if we have paid for a ticket, and somehow we are the critiquers of the service that has been presented. When the truth of the matter is, the people on the platform are not performing they are facilitating, and we are all to be in the worshiping capacity because we are all worshiping for an audience of one, and that's God. While you're looking at people on the stage, God is looking at you. You're critiquing them. God is critiquing you. You're turning worship into a spectator event, and God says, no, it is to be a participatory event. Jesus says, the Father is looking for worshipers. Do you think he's only looking for worshipers in church? Do you think the only time and the only place that God is searching for worshipers is on Sunday morning between 7 and 12 noon or Saturday night or whenever you do your worship service? The Father is looking for worshipers. People who not only go to an event, but more importantly, people who live it every day of their lives, who recognize that where they go is an act of worship, what they say is an act of worship, who they interact with is an act of worship, what they do with their bodies is an act of worship, what they do with their minds is an act of worship. The question is not, are you worshiping at that moment? The question is, to whom are you giving worship at that moment? Because I submit to you in many of our lives, the things that we do and the things that we say 
are all acts of worship. We're just not worshiping God. I got to let you go. We'll finish this message next week. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to recognize that in order to help you stay faithful through your finish line in the midst of running your race, focus on the Lord. Focus on the Lord. Don't focus on how tired you are. Don't focus on how exhausted or exasperated you are. Focus on God. And in the midst of everything that we're going through right now, In this country and what you're dealing with privately and personally, there's no better place to put your focus than on God. Thank God for his faithfulness. Thank God for keeping you in the midst of all that you're going through. Thank God for making a way for you. Thank God for being in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I pray now, God, that as we as we have heard your word, uh, David modeled for us what it meant to consistently worship. Um, he didn't wait till he got to the tent. He worshiped on the way. He worshiped in the homes he worshiped on the roadside and God teach us to become people who live lifestyles of worship so that we are faithful to you we ask you to bless as only you can the word that has gone forth it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Before you tune us out, let me just take this opportunity again to thank you for the privilege of your time. Now if you're listening today and you want to know how to make the Lord the center of your life, you want to give your life to the Lord. I want to encourage you to go to our website, go to our app and click on the link that says I want to accept Christ, but how? And I will lead you through how to ask Jesus Christ into your life. If you've already accepted Christ uh, and you want to know what to do now, click on the link that says, I just accepted Christ. Now what? I've asked the Lord into my life. Five things we want to encourage you to do as you begin your walk with the Lord. And if you're looking for a church home, Um, We've had uh, people who are joining our church virtually. There are those of you who are watching in some 130 countries around the world. And we're grateful to God for your presence. I want to encourage you to become part of our church family virtually. Um, We would love to cover you in believing prayer, cover you in your discipleship process, and encourage you to become all that God wants you to be. Drop us a note, drop us a line, let us know where you are so that we can stay in touch with you and stay in conversation with you so we can encourage you along the way. If you'd like to support our ministry, there are 
uh, several different ways that you can give here at the Good Hope Church. Um, of course, you can give via our traditional mail system, but you can go online and give uh, via Cash App, GiveLify, uh, PayPal, whatever it is. Uh, you can give, and, and we would love for you to partner with us in the kingdom work. Uh, God is allowing us to do some tremendous things, um, and we have even greater things that we are engaging in. Uh, we're about to commission our second full-time missionary out of our church to the continent of Africa, and that's Pastor Mark Sloan and his wife, Marshall. Um, they are uh, raising funds now about to head to Uganda, and God has given him a burden for that country. He's been the director of missions here for several years and has done a tremendous job in helping us uh, really galvanize our ministries locally, nationally, and internationally, has led short-term mission trips internationally, and man, just fell in love with the country of Uganda along with his wife. And, and so they're going there, and, and it's going to be a tremendous blessing. And I want you to be prayerful about supporting uh, the work that God is going to do through Pastor Sloan and his wife, uh, Marshall. Last year, uh, we have fed and distributed over 466,000 pounds of food and produce to the people in the Houston metropolitan area through our relationship with the food bank. It's been absolutely uh, tremendous. Your giving helps to make that happen. And Pastor Sloan has been the person on the ground that has directed that. And so we are grateful and, and thankful uh, for that. I uh, want to thank all of you for your prayers. Uh, continue to pray for me and my recovery. Uh, we're trusting God that he's going to bring me back, not to 100%, but bring me back better than ever. And I'm committed to that process as well. Uh, looking forward to the lessons that God wants to teach me in the midst of that. And if you've been blessed by this message and you're being blessed in this series, doing it God's way, um, I want to encourage you to uh, sign up for a life group. Um, there are still life groups going on. There are still meet people meeting and discussing around our discussion questions, uh, ways to better apply these messages in your life. But I want you to know I'm praying for you and encouraging you to be all that God wants you to be. All right? Listen, we're getting ready to go. Don't forget, God is doing something wonderful in you. I know he's doing something wonderful in me. I'm going to claim it. And guess what? You don't always see it and you may not always feel it, but I want you, I want you to declare it by faith that God is doing something wonderful in me. All right? Come on, let's get ready to go.